0: episode 28 of the Coach Fury podcast. For those of you that might not know who I am, that is quite a right. My name is Steve, Coach Fury Hollander, and I'm a fitness professional located in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn, New York. I offer classes, private training, online coaching, and I also teach for several fitness education systems, including the RKC DVRT, ultimate sandbag training, original strength, and strength faction. If you want to take a class or train with me in one way or another, head over to coachfury.com where you can find info on all that as well as any of my blogs, videos, former podcast episodes. Everything is over there. Uh, Some courses that are coming up. I'm going to be doing original strength, pressing reset April 8th at Parisi Powered by the Edge in Vermont. April 29th, I'm heading over to MSC Strength in Boston for a DVRT workshop. May 5th through the 6th, we're bringing the RKC2 back another year to Catalyst Sport in NYC. May 12th, heading out to Austin, Texas for another Original Strength Pressing Reset workshop at Dow Health and Fitness. Hey Matt, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. June 9th, a week after Slayer hits Jersey, I'm heading to Connecticut for another Original Strength Pressing Reset course at Quest Fitness at my brother from another James's place. So those are the courses, more is on the list. Oh, I almost forgot one, can't forget this one. July 15th, MFF Bowery, Home Away From Home, the HKC One Day Kettlebell Certification. July 15th, we just scheduled that one. So those are courses, those are also at coachfury.com. So hey, before I get into this week's guest, I wanna start a new segment in these intros so it's not all advertising salesy stuff, right? So. Here's a thing of things that I've been into this week. Fury's fanning out on things this week. So here are some things I'm fanning out this week since the last episode Thor Ragnarok on Blu ray and download. Loving it. Jessica Jones, season two, haven't finished it yet. But man, uh, you know, The Punisher and now Jessica Jones are really bringing the Marvel shows on Netflix back to form. Iron Fist, sorry. Ugh. Defender's better, but Iron Fist. Ugh. Uh, and here's like a way back man I've been checking out Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil which I had on vinyl when it first came out that album holds up now Too Fast for Love doesn't hold up that well but if you wanna if you revisit Shout at the Devil it's, it's worth it it's actually it's killer I, I think I dig it more now than I did in high school alright moving on to, the, to this week's guest Test Ball is a friend and former neighbor, she lives in Seattle, she's awesome, and we had a great conversation uh, about fitting into this fitness world, and she's someone I have a shit ton of respect for. So, please listeners, welcome Tess Ball to the Coach Fury Podcast, episode 28, enjoy. And I'll be writing your program today. Okay. We had a whack weekend. Well, we had a good weekend. But you we had
1: wasn't. puppy, right?
0: Uh, it did not work out. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Ramona wants to be alone. Um, she was not cool to the dog. Not, and, and she was stressed out. So um, yeah. we can talk about that online. It's cool. Kay. We're actually, we're recording any now. So let's let's talk about that. <laughs> hey, Tess, welcome. To, hey, <laughs> that was a shitty opening. <laughs> hey, Tess. <laughs> welcome to the Coach Fury podcast how are you doing Uh, I'm
1: well I'm well Uh, (laughs) so
0: anyway Tess and I are friends uh if you listen to the Ridge Carpenter episode Tess and I were neighbors uh with Ridge at the time they moved to Seattle and they're both people that have had a uh surprising big good connection in my life Tess and I would run into each other at courses um and just like our paths keep crossing, and I was very excited. Around the holidays, Tess reached out about online training, and we started talking, and I'm like, I have to get you on the podcast, because here's an interesting thing no one talks about as an online trainer. I'm just going to fucking blow this out of the water right now. Um, <laughs> most of the people I know as, like, at least the trainers that I train could do just as good a job training other people online or training themselves or training me. It's just... I work with a bunch of people that are highly skilled as is. Uh, It's just all a matter sometimes of needing the accountability and a little bit of structure outside of yourself. So Tess is someone that I, I, just like Riz, just like a lot of the folks on here that I might have uh, online program for or been involved with or taught or whatever at a course, but uh, I see them as equals if not smarter than me because as I've said many times on this podcast, I'm not the brightest guy here or brightest person or most veteran trainer or whatever. So I'm super grateful to be training with you, Tess. And I'm really glad that you're on the podcast. Uh, Thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for being my trainer. I feel (laughs) so stoked to like have my program that coach Fury wrote me and like have an excuse to actually be in the studio and spend time working on my own stuff. It's such a luxury um, and I'm so grateful for it.
0: That's awesome. Hey, tell the folks a little bit about just where you're from and what you're doing right now.
1: Sure. Um, I got started in this whole movement fitness thing when I was in New York, uh, when we were neighbors, I, I took a yoga teacher training, not thinking I was ever going to do this stuff. Um, and then, of course, it snowballed because I love it so much. And uh, that eventually brought me to Seattle, where I now teach movement full-time, uh, mostly to uh, folks who are coming in either after injury or not having moved really at all. So I have an interesting little crew here uh, that we're, we're moving with.
0: Nice. How do, you, how do most of the people that you train find you?
1: Uh, mostly physical therapist referrals uh, or word of mouth. So. Uh, not a ton of advertising or anything like that, um, but just relationships that I've built with people who are doing similar stuff, think similar ways, or speak in the same language.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a really great way to do it. It came up on um, the episode of the podcast with Erica Hurst too today, but I think you're going to find a common theme. Like, Folks, if you've been listening to the show more than a few times, everybody that's come on here, except for maybe two people, are, 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 are relatively close friends. There's only been a handful of people that I, I really enjoyed getting to know more via the podcast. But having that network, especially with physical therapists, um, whatever part of the human equation for like human betterment that is outside of your scope, get to know people that have those aspects covered so that you can then work together and not just like pass people off, but also Mm -hmm. continue the dialogue so that people really know that they're cared for.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I find that I am a much, much better coach um, when I am working not only in conjunction with a physical therapist, but like we're emailing back and forth. Uh I'm really excited coming up here pretty soon. We're going to do a joint session a PT and myself with a client of mine. Um and just all get in the same room and talk about things and nerd out about movement and hopefully get this client just the most ultimate badass care they could possibly get. Like my ideas are great, I think. Uh, and this physical therapist, her ideas are amazing. Um, but I think the combination is where the real magic happens, when you can get a lot of different perspectives coming def- together at the same time.
0: It definitely heightens the level of like, safety and, and you know, the positive outcomes. And what yeah. I found recently is, is it also helps – You know, I think there's a hard line. Trainers don't necessarily talk about it all the time, but you'll be training somebody that kind of wants to do, like, the stuff they love is the stuff that hurts, right? Mm, So, like, I'll use, like, you know, if I want to, like, make a hyper male version of this, it'll be bench pressing, right? So someone loves bench pressing, but their shoulders feel like shit all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, maybe we shouldn't be bench pressing. And, you know... It's just really hard line sometimes. It's more difficult than people think it is to just be like, no, we're not going to do any of that stuff and program around it. Now, certainly, uh, I think a lot of people just don't know how to program around it when they're starting (laughs) out, right? they just like, I don't know what to do because that includes a lot of stuff. Like I'll say, you know, like uh, shoulders in particular can be like a really dicey region where a lot of stuff is suddenly off the table, right? That could be any overhead. That could be any push. Um, I mean,
1: we found that out with my own program. Yeah, I got into my program and, like, well, oh crap, my right shoulder just doesn't feel good. Feels all right, but like, how do we collectively work on that?
0: And well, this is also where you're a great coach. You already made your own modifications on. I'm like, yep, I agree with all of that. Well,
1: until I heard from you.
0: (laughs) That's true. "Uh,
1: I, I know I can sub this in, but I really want Coach Fury to like look at this and figure it out with me and like, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, like. I, it, it's 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 good to bounce that stuff off of and I know I've had to have recently some harder conversations with people where they get frustrated with how long it's taking something to happen and it's easy to people when you have a when you have um goal like like uh as opposed to losing weight or gaining mass, when you have like a movement goal, right? Like it's a really yeah. good way to get strong and get buy in for training to be like, I wanna get pull ups, I wanna get push ups, I wanna get swings, I wanna get a press or whatever. But when it's like really at the edge of your ability at the moment, not just from a strength perspective, but also of like, you know, pain management, mobility, stability, all of those mm-hmm. things, it can be really frustrating. And, and I know in working, I'm very fortunate that this person works with a very high level PT, that's a close friend of mine. And, you know how to have some very open conversations that like, look, with there, there, there's the way that you could do this on your own and maybe hit your goal and crush yourself and really be hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Or we can appreciate the progress we're making as slow as it might be, as frustrating as that might be, and realize all the other things that are happening around you while we're trying to do this goal. And sometimes it's just people pick like a really long-term goal, right? Yeah. Like that's oh, a hard yeah. one. And I I know just having that PT backup is like, well, I know there's issues with your mobility, and I know that you will hurt yourself. Like, I have zero doubts, and that's a good thing to have, whereas I don't know if a lot of trainers feel ready to be like, look, if you're going to continue to do this, I know it's bad for you. It's not just me inferring based on a movement thing that I see. It's like, I literally know there's something wrong with you that will hurt you. Um, And then also being able to like not second guess myself and be like, well, maybe we should. And then if I hurt the guy, like, what the fuck am I doing in this field?
1: Right. And I feel like it's so helpful, like very early on. And I think my yoga training actually for this, um, my favorite words, I am not a doctor. Yeah. Like that not only is it safer for your client, but it's so much safer for you. It's your protection as a movement professional to understand your scope of practice. That way you can do really awesome work within that scope. And then if it's out of that scope, it's out of that scope. And then all you have to do is say, I'm not a doctor and you're yeah. protected. And then it's, the conversation becomes not, you can't do that. You're unsafe. It's okay, cool. Let's bring in, let's bring in the big guns, see where we're at. And then like come up with an awesome plan.
0: Yeah. And, and, and like,
1: it's just a reframing based on the empowerment you feel as a coach to be like, Oh no, this is where my scope ends. Okay.
0: And that line is like pretty small too. It's, we, I feel like we, we over fear what that line is between scope, between strength and PT. Cause the nice thing is when you, when you find a network, of solid progressive PTs, they know that person's gonna need strength work, right? Like if if their knee's jacked up, they know it's not just because the knee's jacked up that something else is guiding the knee to become the weak link. And usually they need a coach beyond the scope of, you know on the other side of that more longer term care than a physical therapist, especially in like an insurance type deal where they're gonna be limited on sessions and things. And I I really, the other network folks, if uh, another, here's a cell for networks, if you send them to like, Uh, a physical therapist that might not be on top of the latest training modalities or know what an FMS is, or original strength, or, you know, they're just gonna basically say, probably don't lift. And it's not good for the person usually, it's not good for you financially, in that order. It's not good for the person (laughs) first, it's not good for you financially, but you find the right ones and they realize, okay, you're still gonna move around and lift, you're just not gonna do or avoid, you're gonna avoid these three things. And it's really tough. I I know I'm going through this with my mom right now, where she's got a lot of back and knee issues. And you know, she's a I feel horrible say my mom's an older woman, but she's you know, she's in her seventies. And I'm trying, she's having a hard time getting like fitness green lights, yellow lights, and red lights from her doctor. Mm. And I'm like, You just can't tell me like a light workout's okay because I don't know what that means. So to have right. definitions as a trainer helps me out. I, I wanna know like, I can't do this and I can do this. And then I program accordingly.
1: Yeah, I love, I love working on those relationships and building that language. Because if a PT is like, oh, I guess you can do a light workout. Again, tells me nothing, but if they're like, uh, find a way to activate left ab, right glute and work on right dorsiflexion of the ankle. I'm like, okay. Sweet. yeah I'm now empowered to then program in a way so if your mom needs to work on you know trunk stability and you know can't go overhead that says so much more than a light workout
0: light workout. I was
1: oh god that dress <laughs> was sorry <coming.
0: laughs> sorry mom if you're listening to this I... <laughs> I hope you didn't, like, feel <laughs> the rage <laughs> coming off of me uh, at your doctor. I don't think her doctor is going to be listening to this. I, uh,
1: I think you're a little red.
0: Don't, a little oh, man. Red? <laughs> I was so mad. And it was a rough day. Uh, we were just talking before this. So, you know, um, Tess, and, Tess and I basically met around the dog park. That's how we all found out we were neighbors. uh uh-huh. Kim and I tried to get a a, a, a one year old rescue dog um, this weekend, which is two weeks before this podcast will come out. It's we're recording this uh, two weeks ago. By the time you're listening to this, and man, Ramona, socially awkward Ramona, since she you know was a shelter dog herself and got attacked at that very same dog run, it was yeah. less like, we're not gonna have that pup. I don't want I don't want another. I don't want another dog in here and was kind of an asshole. She's, you know, a wonderful dog, super well-trained, was just like, nope, no other dog in our place. And so, like, on one end, I'm already, like, crushed about that, like, crap, we can't get this amazing dog, and I'm trying to still not be mad at Ramona. And uh, on the other hand, I'm getting these messages about my mom's doctor, and I'm like, like, gross stuff.
1: That's, like, the two (laughs) things, like, most deeply lodged in your heart, except for, like, maybe, like, Kim, the kids, and Godzilla, But like,
0: (laughs) I would put them over Godzilla.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But like pups and like movement and doctor
0: communication.
1: Oh, gosh, that's a rough weekend.
0: Yeah, it it was, uh, we we salvaged it out. But it was like, yeah, there was was some rough spots in there. Um, And then the other thing to talk about is this, because it's a common theme here, because fitness right now, including myself, it's so much based on how the hell are we marketing, right? As for every Mm -hmm. business, the landscape is changing so greatly. Um, But, you know, there's so many trainers and gyms and boutiques and facilities and modalities and franchises that we're all trying to get a lot of the same space. Now, I come from the frame of mind that, like, I'm not too concerned with competition. Like, if I owned a bigger crunch like facility right like if i just had like fury mm-hmm. industries was a, a crunch size thing almost like a body reserve in brooklyn used to be i would be concerned about competition but as like an independent trainer or a boutique owner i do fall into that thing of just be the best and you yeah, won't get everybody
1: nice.
0: just get the just get the the small group of your loyal tribe you know to kind of ride or die together with like, and that's mm-hmm. really more and more where I see myself going. But in terms of the word of mouth, and, and you said you don't have no marketing, is there, is there any trick that you've used for word of mouth? Like, have you even like done any sort of referral programs? Or has it all just been like, they're just taking it upon themselves to do it?
1: Um, okay, so I will give you the very short list of the things that I've done. I've approached people smarter than me and said, Hey, I don't know some stuff. Can I hang out with you? Um, that's what I typically do with PTs. Like I love to go shadow. I love to meet. I love to talk. Um, especially I pick all the people that I'm like, you're doing something really cool. I want to know more. And generally that, you know, just turns into good stuff, whether it's referrals or just deepening my own knowledge base. Um, because I'm, I'm a really new trainer. Um, I didn't even like go to the gym for the first time until like 2012.
0: Well, hold on. Um, it's been about three years since I've known you. So three yeah. years is like you're, 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 you're crossing. I'd say you're crossing. I want to say Delancey, like the movie, but you're crossing, <laughs> crossing over into like, you know, cause what, you know, two to three years is sort of like most people tap out by then.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I've done really well in those two to three years. Um, you know, I'm, I have a full-time private, you know, studio practice. And um, I think part of that is just by saying, like, I don't know. There's something that people really resonate with when you're like, I don't know, but I can find you the answer. And yeah. then you meet people that have answers. <laughs> um, and then I handed out flyers for – I did small group training – um, I called it power nap. It's like a 3 30-minute class of like 18 minutes of strength work and then 12 minutes of laying on the ground in restorative yoga shape. Nice. Uh, which is really awesome. So I handed out like 200 flyers for that. It
0: where did you heart, Where did you hand them out?
1: Uh, outside my studio. Um, where like there's a lot of tech in that area. So I just uh, faced the rejection. Uh, That was that whole process. And I was like, okay, it's going to be good for me to get rejected. Um, And so I turned it into this experiment. I think I handed out like 200 total flyers. Um, No referral program.
0: How many people came from the flyers? How many people came? I
1: think like four. But that turned into an additional two private clients. Awesome. That are on, like, not even them themselves, but they referred friends. So not a super high yield, but like financially so worth it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I still think there's a benefit as hard as that is. And I know Kim and I are going to make some postcards for like, you know, I want to try to hit directly to some Brooklyn businesses and stuff. Um, But, you know, we were talking about, you know, this idea of marketing and and going backwards a little bit. Like, I do think it's, it's, if you can be the good coach, it's going to go a long way and it's just getting those 10 people. Where'd you go?
1: I'm so sorry about that.
0: You're okay.
1: (laughs) I'm technologically challenged. My phone was hooked up to the iPad in weird ways. They're talking behind my back. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's all right. We'll edit that out. Okay, cool. Um, No, but I was just saying, you know, I I think there's still tried and true ways to try to make this happen, but also I don't think we can put our... the, The only like marketing basket, we can still put the majority of our eggs in is, is just doing good work. So people spread the word Mm -hmm. because algorithms are changing all the time on social media in terms of how to best do do stuff. And, you know, this idea of like bots and things, it's just, it sucks.
1: it, It does suck. And like certain things suck more for certain people. And so I, you know, coming from a marketing background, like, if there's something that intrigues you, like, I was really intrigued by handing out flyers, not because I wanted to, but because I was like, what is that experience going to be like for me? Like, I think as a human, I need to do this. Um, I do lots of little experiments with myself like that. Um, And so, you know, you might actually be really stellar at like, going to a park and doing some cool body tricks and having flyers there, or you might be really nerdy and like um, analytics and dive into what headlines produce, which results and tracing the, you know, consumer path through your digital whatever. Um, But like find, find something, just put in some work outside of, you know, your day to day, yeah. coaching, just to mix up your own brain. Like I like kind of experimenting with my brain and figuring out what I'm good at, what I suck at, because if I suck at it and it doesn't yield anything, I'm not going to do it again, but,
0: but you I kind of just
1: dig that process
0: yeah I know that I need to step outside of my comfort zones like I just I know for my courses, I relied a lot on social media, and I was really successful for a few years before Facebook got like kind of on top of the whole like oh, paying yeah. for ads type deal and then Instagram with the hashtag game and then as the algorithm started changing you're you, you really have to stay on top of it to see on either f- thing what you 're getting reached from, and then there 's always like the return of investment factor on it like. The last couple of times I paid for Facebook ads, I think I've gotten like a few new likes on my my business page, but that isn't what I was fishing for. I, I got zero clients out of it. The yeah. clients that I have were all word of mouth. Now, mm-hmm. social media, if anything, it made, it brought some attention to some previous clients and friends to be like, "Oh, I didn't realize you were doing that," but it wasn't yeah. like a new lead generator per se in that in that thing and that like an, an email. Right. I think especially. Kind of oh God
1: yeah like that'll that takes so much time anyway yeah um and especially since we are in like one on one small group intimate you know businesses i like that my marketing generally reflects that i am much better at building relationships than i am at traditional outreach
0: yeah. I think I fall into that as well. I'm actually oddly like how you were mentioning the flyers. Like I'm oddly excited to try to like, I want to do one of the street fairs that they have down here in Brooklyn. Like I want to set uh-huh. up like a fury booth. <laughs> and Wait, like,
1: that would be awesome. Yeah. I don't, you know, They're
0: I, 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 I got to look it. into it. I'd like to do it at least once. Maybe I can get next to the guy who sells like socks or sunglasses you know yeah. <laughs> well, no you
1: should moves. do oh you could like do the socks and then coach fury and then you just get like a bratwurst afterward <laughs> after you're like really hungry
0: i'll be like <laughs> coupons for free corn dogs down the street or something because that's like the ultimate of street fair food for me
1: that's uh, you could do like a one-hand handstand and then eat your corn dog with the other hand
0: i would have to work very hard to do a one-hand handstand <laughs> <laughs> right now I was thinking I'd just wear some of my goofy Godzilla tights and hang out. No, I would, that would, I would probably work. I would want to bring, you know, some some kettlebells and a couple of Ultimate Sandbags down there and, you know, do, do a little OS. I would love to, like, do, like, little, like, four-minute consultations with people, like, literally get them a little bit more better squat or toe touch, like, so quickly. And that's sort of where yeah. my head's at. Now that I'm speaking about this, I'm going to write my note down to find out, like, to actually look that stuff up. So you have inspired me. And then flyers are interesting. I know when I first did my outside when I first was going full time, I did an outside kettlebell class and I even called it a boot camp, which I felt like an asshole personally, because I'm just not a boot camp <laughs> guy. I was just like everyone's calling their outdoor stuff boot camps. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember I even made, like, those little printout flyers with the little numbered tags, and email tags that you cut or awesome. tear off.
1: Uh-huh. No, I've done that. Totally. <laughs> I think... it felt like such a dork, but...
0: I know. I was like, and then you go by it, hoping to see how many were pulled off, and you're like, half of them were probably people chewing gum or something that needed uh-huh. to throw their gum out in. <laughs> I don't think I, I got anything out of that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I just want, you know, it's just... I keep wanting to go back to, like, a simpler time. Like, I really wish... And I know it's not going to happen, folks. I'm not delusional. But like, especially in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, if I could just open up a small shop, like they used to have old school card stores or old school Uh pharmacies. Like, I just want like like an old timey shop of strength doing the stuff I do. And just going from there, it would be so awesome and just have everyone in the neighborhood or at least all the cool people in the neighborhood coming by. I'd be super stoked on that. And I feel like I'm on the edge of that now that I'm training Mm -hmm. from home. But reach is definitely like an issue. Like, you know, I had a good, like, especially for as small as I started with no money going into it, you know, I have a small crew that I would like to see quadruple and then I'm good. And by that, I just mean like 20, 25 people. Yep. Um, I would be, like, in a really different, like, place. I don't want to say happy place because I'm happy now, happy now, but the bills would be easier. And yeah. I just, you know, admittedly, like, part of me is, like, we're, we're in this to help people. So when I don't have a lot of people in front of me, I feel like I'm not, I'm not doing my potential, regardless of finances. I'm like, shit, I have more time and available. Like, there are more people I could be helping in this space right now.
1: Yeah, like, I think part of me, like, it goes back. I was raised, you know, with, like, the old school work ethic, right? And when I'm not feeling like I'm useful, or helpful, or I'm contributing, I get really down on myself. Um, So I can totally relate to that. It's not, I mean, yes, I want to pay the bills. And I want to do that relatively easily. But I really want to be like useful. Yeah. Like, oh, you got some wood to chop? Okay, I'll chop some wood. (laughs) Oh, you need some help in the kitchen? I'll go help. Like, that's Oh, you have a knee issue? Okay, let's chat about it. Yeah. Just that feeling of usefulness.
0: I, I I just find that I can, like today's a good example. Like, you know, I had a session early in the morning in the city, came back out, had to get the podcast out, got, got the episode with Erica out today, knew we were going to talk, had to call somebody about hosting some stuff. And there's like a lot of moving pieces, but the ones that I actually like, bring money in are few, are, aren't, are, I don't want to say few and far between. They're just, there's not a lot of them like there used to be, especially because mm-hmm. I'm not staff anywhere. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's all my schedule and I feel great that I'm doing all of these things and that I'm being proactive, but then there is this weird, I'm sure a lot of trainers feel this. Like it's almost like an odd financial slap in the face. Like no matter how busy you seem, you're, the money doesn't show it. And yeah. I know that it will come because I, I, I'm i just constantly trying to get better. And I hope listeners like realize even just listening to this podcast, like I think this has come a long way. I mean, certainly each guest sort of helps define the flavor of each show, but at least in terms of when, when I go to edit and mix these things and and folks, when I mean edit, I mean like the intro and then the interview part and the music, like I don't do a lot of editing really of the thing at all. And, I've gotten that down in a process. Like, it does not take me long to do that anymore. You know, it takes me maybe, like, 20 minutes to have the podcast out on my phone so I can listen to it. And then I will listen to it before it goes live in case there's something I didn't catch. And uh, so I just feel like it's been really cool getting better at things. And I'm getting better at things. And it will hopefully lead to something. But I'm also, like, I never made this podcast to make money. Like, I'd like people to donate to it. But I wanted to make a podcast. I want to talk to you, Tess. I want to talk to my friends and let people hear what we have to say. Not even that it's that self-important. Hopefully, it's just helpful and helps people relate. Like, I don't want to be yeah. like groundbreaking fitness podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like super fury happy hour. That's I mean, all unless you
1: drop for. a bell and happen to break the ground.
0: Yes, um. that's, and that's possible because it's in my living room and it's <laughs> super sturdy right now. There's a shitload of bells right behind me. Um. Um, so let's talk about... You said you were a relatively new trainer. How, what were you doing before and how did you make the switch? Because that's place where we're similar because this was also my second career.
1: Yeah. So I was a designer. Uh, I was in advertising for a while. Uh, I think like eight, ten years, something like that. Were you at a and design
0: company or an agency?
1: I was at agencies um, until I transitioned into fitness ever so slowly. Um, and then I started the freelance thing and transitioned many times. Um, but while I was at an agency, my creative director asked me if I wanted to join the gym with him, the New York Health and Rec Club uh, in <laughs> Chelsea, uh, on our lunch break as a New Year's resolution.
0: Were you at Gray at that time or Ogilvy? Gray. No,
1: I was at um, Flight Path. Okay. They, they were a small little agency. So I know
0: Gray's down there in Chelsea, or at least they say used to be.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think I interviewed there before it was, it's just huge though. I kind of yeah. like the small, I mean,
0: it's a t- totally different vibe. Yeah.
1: It, this theme has cropped up. Like I want to be the cool kid at the big party, but like, I'm just not that I like the small agency. I like my small studio. I like chilling with my friends on podcasts. Like I, <laughs> like I like to keep it pretty, um, pretty small. So I was at a little agency and going to the gym on my lunch break and took a yoga class and took a deep breath i think for the first time in my entire life and i was like oh my god i have a body yeah and like i'm almost tearing up thinking about it right now um because it's a powerful thing to realize that you have like at the time it was like that you have this asset right but now it's just like such a deep part of me. It's like, Oh, my body is how I interact with the world. It's how I connect with people. It's how I move through life. It moving is so much of what I love. And I had never experienced that.
0: That's um, a, a great way to sort of present it. You know, it, it's whether when when someone's an artist or a designer in particular, you know, and I'll, I'm going to claim, you know, film major, director, writer, producer card on this as well a little yeah. bit. It's like, you're always thinking about like, you know, your creative mental process or your eye right? So imagination in your eye. And it really comes down to like any sort of art really is a, it's an extension of your physicality in a way that you process a thought and then make it happen. And you can't make that happen without some sort of physicality. You have to hold a brush or a pen or something, or even if it's like a, you know, a laptop, uh, a Wacom tablet or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is important because I think a lot of us lose sight of what it truly means to kind of connect with your body. And and, and yeah. that, that gap between the two, which shouldn't even exist, uh, on how far apart those things are. And it's, yeah. it's still one of those things for me where you start to show somebody something like relatively simple on one aspect, like a, a reverse lunge in one way should not be a big deal. It's so directly tied to gait pattern. But for so mm-hmm. many people, it's a massive undertaking, like not even like having the mobility to do it, but just as yeah. a a coordination effort, you know, uh, and, and that's one of the cool things for me that like, when I can get somebody who really struggled, didn't think they could do it to be able to do something as simple as like a reverse lunge. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Cause yeah. it's more direct carryover than how heavy their swing might be.
1: Right. I mean, the, the greatest joy is seeing somebody like when they come into the studio, do dead bugs and like the right and the left, all of a sudden makes sense. Yeah. And it hadn't for like a month. And you're like, yes, that's so cool. It's like, pretty crazy. Like, oh, contralateral movement.
0: <laughs>
1: what the heck? Um,
0: and poor Ipsy doesn't get any love anymore. <laughs> if lateral movement doesn't get any love anymore, it's still a thing, guys. It's still, it's still a thing.
1: thing. It's still but, a thing.
0: But contralateral, like, in terms of, like, what the benefits are going to be out of it, I agree. Like, between DVRT and original strength in my toolbox, like, it, it just makes so much more sense for me.
1: Well, and it just, it's the thing that we are missing. I think for so much of us, so many of us, myself and a lot of the folks that I see, it's just, like, it's that thing that doesn't make sense in your brain until let's, it makes sense. Yeah. Like just, that,
0: go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: No, go on. Go on. I just
0: want to let listeners, if, if you're not aware what contralateral means, when you walk, you're, you're, if your left foot is forward, your right arm should be swinging forward. And that would mean your right leg is back and your left arm is swinging back. That's contralateral. It's a cross-gate pattern, right? Whereas since we tend to hold phones or have our hands in our pockets, we tend not to to let the arms swing along with the legs when we're when we're walking, and we actually start to lose that sense of coordination, that connection between the shoulders and the hips. So that's contralateral, and the poor <laughs> ipsilateral is <laughs> if you were going to walk left arm forward, right uh, sorry left arm forward, left leg forward at the same time and alternate, you would look kind of silly walking that way. So in to-
1: fact, I would encourage anybody listening to this podcast. So like just like put it on pause real quick and try it out in your body. If you have the ability to, yeah. I mean, even <laughs> if you're in an office, like just it's fine. Go get a conference room. Um, it just is an interesting sensation in your body if you've never paid attention to it.
0: It will feel very weird cuz your brain's going to go, "I don't know what's happening right now." It's like Monty Python and the Ministry of Silly Walks. <laughs> I remember we were uh, the first time I was in Japan, we were teaching uh, at a marine base at um, Camp Foster in Okinawa, and Josh Henkin was you know was leading the DVRT po- portion. He was talking about slings and cr- contralateral movements, and he's like, "You'll never see somebody jog, not contralateral." And then, of course, as they were driving us to go to the airport, we saw someone jogging same side, no and it way. was it was insane looking. It was like when they when you see videos of robots that they're training to walk, which is really scary. You know, like the attack robots, like. Uh-huh. It was like that, it was really weird. And you just know that somewhere in that person's nervous system, if you can just unpattern that, they're gonna probably move better on every other aspect of their life.
1: Yeah, I mean, they'll breathe better. I feel like that's what it all, all comes down to for me a lot of times, and that's the yoga. It's like, if we can just get people moving better so that they breathe better, so that when their boss is a, is a dick or their kids are annoying or whatever, like that deep breath is accessible. Like I think that at the end of the day is where my job is, you know, movement or yoga or even the kettlebell swing. How can we get the diaphragm working better so that in life when we need to take a deep breath, we can.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's one of the benefits of of a well-planned class or working with an educated trainer is how do you, you know, so many of us, myself included, when I got into fitness, we're just off on it, right? Like I just was doing like things that I picked up from body shaping on like ESPN Two uh-huh. and oh, Men's Health,
1: Bodybuilding.com. Yeah, uh. I mean, I, this
0: is this was, I'm older than you, so this is even pre-internet. This was like whatever was on like TV or like a Men's Fitness magazine. I don't mean specifically Men's Fitness, folks. Like don't uh-huh. hate male. Um, but like fitnessy magazines and my Arnold book. But I never, you know, when you, when, when you, when you learn a new video game, when you get a video game, there's always the option to take a tutorial. And I always try to skip that shit. And then I never get good (laughs) at knowing what I'm doing in the game. And then I get frustrated and I stop. And the more I think like a lot of what fitness is, is that it's, we all want to go where we think we should be or what, our our, our image of, or who we're comparing ourselves against, whatever this representation we have at ourselves of what the gym should be, what we should be doing is, how this should feel, the level of exertion. But so many of us never take the time to go through easy mode tutorial, right? Because there's no immediate glory there. Although with a good coach, like, you know, I know I'll throw the gauntlet down, I can get somebody to move better within like 15 minutes or yep. less, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give myself, like just by either. doing some breathing and doing a couple of drills, like I just know it. I'm gonna get something on your toe ch- touch, I'm gonna get you to squat better or easier, something. Yeah. But we all wanna go so far beyond that, you know? So what do most people do? We're gonna try to run really far really quickly. You know, like that's usually like entryway to fitness. Like, well, running's really hard, folks. It's really hard on the body. And I think it's got a lot of merit. I actually am I'm starting to miss it. I don't I don't do it much myself um these days. And I'm like trying to like don't call it a comeback, but I'm I'm thinking about getting a little more involved in it. That's due to knee surgery and arthritic feet, though, folks. Like it's not from from laziness. But um I think we could all value going back to easy level tutorial in any sort of a video game or like reading the instructions on any game. Like yeah, just taking that moment and we, we all wanna jump ahead, right? Like when you get a new TV, listeners, if you get a new TV or, or something, like do you actually look at the instructions? Like at what point? Or you know, do you look in the instructions to try to plug everything in? Or do you just like kinda like sorta go by what you think you kinda know? It's a weird one. And in fitness, we wanna jump so far ahead. And I think as coaches, as trainers, we sometimes feel like we're not valued if we don't have them feeling this like level four experience before they've done the tutorial.
1: Yeah, and I think for me it's, and the clients that I tend to take on, it's even kind of the opposite, and I haven't thought this through, so I might ramble a little bit. Please. But um, I have a lot of folks coming to me who have never moved, ever, in any kind of capacity. And they're like, for example, the other day, I had a relatively new client, and we were talking about goals, and she's moving pretty well, um, and just came in naturally, um, has a really good squat, really good hinge, push-pull, you know, just all the rotation, like all the check boxes were checked. And it's like, okay, so what do you want to do? And she's like, well, uh, what do people do? And then we just started cracking up because, like, I think it's hilarious that somebody's first of all asking me what people do at the gym. Like, that's a really fucking hilarious just realization that I'm in the position to answer that question. And then to get her thinking, it's like, okay, what, how do, how do you like moving your body? I don't know, I kind of like to dance or, you know, to answer those questions. Like, what feels, what feels joyful to you? And like, just defining what do, what do people do? So I almost get the opposite of like, nobody wants to go intense. Everybody has like a fear of movement and it's like, okay, now that I'm safe, where do I go next? And so being able to define that is I think equally as difficult as, as scaling it back. So I guess to have somebody do like a goblet squat within their range, if they want to do, the max goblet squat, or if they're relatively new to goblet squatting, like it's equally hard to get them into that like sweet spot middle point where they're safe, they feel challenged, they're exerting themselves, but not in a way that's gonna cause any uh pain or injury, or you know, they're just in that really sweet spot. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to get people there.
0: It, it's I know so most of the stuff I do now is small group classes. And I I do all my, you know, you've seen my programs, like they're all based on, you know, the RPE, rate of perceived exertion. And I think it's really hard for people to figure out what a seven out of 10 really feels on an effort level. I think people end up not realizing it floating at five or 10, where it's either too easy or way too hard. (laughs) And you're like one rep rep away from having, you know, blood in your pants. Versus, you know, I can continue to press this thing, and I know one of the other things that I need to work on is when you have people that are just, you know, fragile, and you want—it's hard to find out where that is. And I don't mean this in a negative con—in um, a negative tone. Um, some people are very prone to getting injured, yeah. and you wonder. Is it a true sense of like, you know, a, a condition that they just happen to be in for whatever reason that they're, they're prone to getting yeah. injured? Or if that is a psychological process that, you know, creates an awareness that makes them prone to being injured or experience the sensations of injuries, like that's a yes. really tricky it's thing to deal so with. Hard. And it's hard to push those people where, you know, sometimes you're like, you know, I've, I've had people. You know, you know fortunately, not not in my current lineup, but i 've had people that I really struggled to feel like I was doing a change because time I tried to push it two percent it you know the threat level went too high, and then yeah. I you know in my head, like I start backing off and like at least movement is movement, and we're you know something 's better than nothing, but that 's a weird one too. And that's, like, kind of outside of, like, sometimes these folks have had PTs. And I certainly send folks to, like, Emily C., who was on this podcast, like, if they're, you know, feeling banged up or tight or sore, like, in a not normal way, I try to, you know, I, I refer people out. And sometimes they come back, and there's just really nothing that should, it's like going to the doctor. And the, doc, the doctor's, like, they're cleared, Yeah. Be mindful that they experience this, but there's nothing that says why they experience it or they start to define their own reason why they experience it. That's like a hard thing to uncork or unpack. And I don't know if I'm like the right person to ever do that, but I know I'm trying to pay more attention to that. And I I do feel like the RPE falls into that as well of, you know, if you're, if you're always in a four or five, uh, you know moving's good it's just not going to create a stimulus of a you know a response it's better yeah. than doing no moving do you deal that, with that at all with anybody
1: oh yeah, totally um, especially if there's like chronic injury or chronic pain or you know I, I have a I have the conversation where people don't want anything to flare up I feel like that's a common yeah like I don't want this to flare up um, and actually since I've been training with you i've been opening the dialogue around RPE a lot more Um, it's like I want you to feel like this is you know between this range let's talk even as you're doing this movement where you're at how quickly does that escalate how you know what feels safe what doesn't feel safe where can you breathe well Um, so that's actually been a really awesome takeaway that I've learned after training with you um, (laughs) to help me with this very thing that we're talking about
0: Awesome. For, for folks that might not be aware, the, the RP, rated perceived exertion. So, you know, most of the time you want to lift around 70 percent ish of, of your maximal level, right? Maximal level of intensity. So if it was a barbell deadlift, 10 would be like a, a one rep done. Maybe check your shorts after. Definitely can't do anything else. Right, and a seven means that, like, well, I can do that thing for seven reps with great form, and I could probably do it for ten reps with great form, but that would be it. So you're leaving two or three reps in the tank versus pushing at the edge, because when you push at the edge, um, you're, it's going to be harder to recover from, and your risk of injury really starts to skyrocket. Um, I shouldn't say skyrocket; it goes up because this is all about consistently coming in. So if you're constantly in the eighty, to, you know eight out of 10 range, 80 to hundred percent of your effort. Like if you're Deadpool maximum effort thing the whole time, you know, your risk of getting hurt comes up, the risk of fatigue and getting burnt out and then not going to the gym happens and overuse and overtraining starts to happen. And those are the annoying things that like, you will have to stop going to the gym for a little bit to let your body recover sometimes. And that's super frustrating. So if you end up around this, like seven pushing the eights, you're gonna be in a comfort zone that you can continually train with high frequency and not feel the negative effects of training. Every now and then you gotta push the edge a little bit to kind of redefine, because you're 70% now, your level seven now isn't gonna be the same in three months because guess what, you'll be stronger. So you do need mm-hmm. to push that edge a little bit to redefine it. But for me, it, I think that's the biggest change in my programming is you know, I tend to put rep ranges now, You know, five to seven, three to five, eight to 10, 10 to 12. And, you know, usually my RPs, depending on if it's a reset or not, are like somewhere in the five to six to seven to eight. And it allows Tess, especially as an online person that trains with me online, like I, I, I'm not in there in the session to read like, hey, Tess, you're not moving well today. Did you, did you sleep like shit? Are you stressed out? And it allows them to try to self-regulate. And uh, again, I don't want people to have to come to me to train because they have to come with me to train. I want to educate them so they can figure this out on their own and they want to come train with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if for folks that aren't familiar with that, I do think it's an important thing. It's, it's something we talked a lot about at Mark Fisher Fitness. It's something we, you know, is, is on the programming um, of strength action. It's just an important thing to kind of get in your head because it will allow you, especially in kettlebell land, um, where people tend to use the same bells for everything all the time, or they're going too heavy all the time.
1: Yeah. And what I really appreciated about having those ranges in the program that you wrote is it changes for me daily.
0: And it should. Like
1: what I'm capable of today is not what I was capable of yesterday. And it's not what I'm capable of tomorrow. Like I have a lot of highs and lows in what my body can do on a given day and being able to being educated as to what something should feel like at a seven or a five, and then being able to mindfully move through my program a lot just it's very empowering on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. To be able to say, "Oh, this might change." And that's, that's part of it. That's cool. Um, it kind of destigmatizes it.
0: and i'm totally cool with that freedom too you know it's everyone needs to kind of and this is another thing i picked up from mff is like the idea of just running your own race it's like one of the principles of my philosophy like you have to be able to gauge it have you ever read the book strong medicine no i haven't i want to pick that up i haven't gone through the whole thing but i got to see one of the writers it's chris hardy and marty gallagher wrote the book it's through dragon door and I saw Chris present at a, at a Dragon Door conference a few years ago. And it's a, he has this idea that really opened my eyes of a stress cup. So, you know, when you go to, say, Starbucks, you know, there's the three sizes of cups. And depending on, like, your age, your injury history, um, you know, your, your current health standards, you know, like, you know, it, it depends on how, the bigger your cup. So the more, you know, youthful, less banged up you are, you're going to have the biggest cup. Right, you fill it with the most, and then you start filling the cup in with shitty sleep, bad nutrition, work stress, and then you determine what's left within the cup is the fitness part of it. Because if you try to overfill it with fitness, it's just not going to work out. You know, it's sort of like uh, allowing people to self-assess where they are. Because I'll get that too, where you know, have you know, somebody is doing their program and can press this weight one week, they come back around to do that workout again. And like, I couldn't even clean the bell. I'm like, well, are you under a lot of stress? Usually, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, How'd you sleep that night? Like, shit. You know, flu season's been going around. People have been sick and trying to make their comebacks. And I just found that idea was the first time for me that I was like, that makes total sense and put me in perspective versus like having specific targeted goals. Like today I must press the 36 or whatever it might be. Um, I will say people can still use that, though, to do nothing or not enough. Like, you still have to find that to make it fit. Like, if all of your workouts – plus, here's the thing, too. If all of your workouts are, like, you have nothing left in your stress cup or you're just not sleeping, not eating well, stress the fuck out, guess what you need to do? You need to actually start looking and repairing some of the things outside of fitness in your life to not be on that. And I know Mm -hmm. that's easier said than done, but I think you've got tests that – switch from an advertising career into something she loves. You've got me that switched from a visual effects advertising, advertising career into something he loves. It is different. I'm not, I'm not making still eight years later, anywhere near, <laughs> near the money I oh, was
1: making. It's there. Painful.
0: Um, you know, it I, it. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, you know, and it's been a really interesting perspective when my stress went from like a client's deadlines, like the, the weight of the world because of multiple client deadlines, because of clashing with an executive producer or creative director or whatever, mm-hmm. like a, waiting for a render to come out in a, in, a, in a quick time of a commercial to get posted up, waiting on client, all of those stresses that most people deal with. Admittedly, some people deal with that great. I did it for 10 years and it, it fucking wore me out where yeah. I would have those dreams where you wake up having nightmares that you didn't sleep because you fucked up a project that didn't exist. Yeah. Right. And you start dreading going to work and, you know, in fitness land, but I was making a lot of money. So I was able to, with my ex-wife, we were able to like, you know, have a car, have kids, buy a house, you know, apartment. Uh, and now, you know, I feel bad because Kim's not with me when I have the money, but, you know, I stress out about real things. Like, can I pay my rent this month? You know, can I, am I going to have money for this? Am I, you know, I'm, I'm finally getting my debt in order. Um, but it doesn't feel the same weight that that day to day of the other job did. But it's it's a bigger circumstance, like bigger repercussions. Yeah. Stuff. But it doesn't feel the same.
1: Well, because it's your stress. It's like I feel like when you're working a lot of times for other people, you take on the stress of their deadlines and their expectations and their projects, and there's very little left for you because like your stress cup is just like getting full with like all of their shit.
0: I never thought of it that way, Tess. You're so right.
1: Like, no, because your stress, like somebody's like, oh, here, let me put a little bit more in your cup. Oh, here, oh, you're, I see a cup over there that's empty. Let me put some of my shit into that cup.
0: That's an amazing, I never thought of it as my stress versus their stress, but you're so that's right. Interesting. I was absorbing their stress and making it my stress versus it just being my stress now.
1: I love just stressing about my own shit.
0: And I think it's there's so like, nice. you know, I also think, you know, you, you know you're creative as well. Um, you know, again, I still claim, I, I still, you, nobody might believe this. I think I, I have fun. I, I consider this podcast as a creative outlet for me, Oh, it's, but you I know, in, totally see it. in doing my content and, and, you know, creating things again, I'm trying to think less about making content. I'm trying to create stuff. I'm really getting in this head of creating and, and, and even in my programming, I'm not like fabricating classes. I'm like creating classes and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm embracing that more and, and and it is a little bit more freeing and it's what, what's nice is it's like you know making movies were stressful making art like really thinking about making a living making art is stressful but it mm-hmm. is our stress and there is something punk as fuck that I definitely relate to about like I'm going to try to define these defy these odds right we've already beat yeah. average lifespan of a trainer yeah and, and you know you know, you're in Seattle now, but we were doing it when we were in like one of the most expensive neighborhoods to live in. I'm still still Mm -hmm. here. And
1: I thought Seattle was gonna be cheap. Uh,
0: Is it? It's gone up a lot.
1: It's not much different than New York.
0: Oh, damn.
1: No, I'm Yeah, I'm paying almost what I was paying when I was in Bushwick, which was admittedly not very um, not like a very expensive neighborhood. But like my apartment's half the size.
0: Well, Bushwick's coming up too. In Bushwick. Bushwick's getting more expensive too now. I believe it.
1: But, oh, one thing I wanted to say too, like along that stress line. um, I've, I've been using a similar analogy, like with mental health. And just given some of the mental health struggles that I've dealt with on a certain day, my fitness program or my activity or whatever might add to the cup and some days it might take away from the cup and I think that's why I really appreciate having a a flexible program and also like a flexible career in a way is like I can do the things that fill me in a yeah. good way instead of drain me or I'm not sure if the cup getting full is good or bad,
0: but. Well, I think the um, idea is that it's, is, is with, if you, if you monitor how you use it well, it's like, you can actually, you know, graduate and, and increase the capacity of your cup. Right. I mean, yeah. I haven't got through the whole book, but it is that idea. Like, I don't believe we're like, I don't believe anyone's stuck. Yeah. And I think one of the, whether it's fitness or, or just career, whatever, bad relationships, people get stuck. And I get it because there's safety and stuck, even though, there's almost equal Mm. misery in being stuck. And, you know, I just, I, you just, you can't live that way. You know, now admittedly we're fortunate enough where we found things that we could make some money on enough. I can still get by on the bills. You know, um, it doesn't always work out the way I'd like it to be. Um, But, you know, You know, I understand that some people literally can't, but I think a lot of people actually need to like, go and look and be like, can you not make this like, and it could mean selling your house. It could mean selling your car, Mm -hmm. but you know, like your life might be better in a smaller house. Your life might be better renting. Like if you're, if you're fucking miserable now, what's the change retirement? So that like in another 15 to 20 to 30 years, you're like, Hey, look, now I can chill out. I'm 65. Hopefully if that's the case, you've had fitness in your life so that you can actually be active and do it. I I just think so many people were were trying to just get through the day as happy as we can. And I love it when people have like, you know, a gig that they love doing. Like I know not everybody out there is like bumming at their gigs. I don't want to try to make it happen, but I know so many people in visual effects land are like, Oh, you're so glad you got out. And you know, it's, the business is changing and I'm like, you know what guys, this is really weird, but I missed it. I actually miss it now. And I missed the creative outlet of working with teams on creative projects mm, and I miss you know, that
1: so much. This is that not is like oh, I, sometimes.
0: I, I, I don't know if I've actually announced this on the last podcast. I can't remember, but my, my feet are back in like I'm, I'm, I'm working with my friend who's a designer that I used to hire freelance all the time, my buddy Chase, and we're putting together a company, and I'm like a consultant awesome. on it slash executive producer slash coach Fury on it but uh, it's not a full time gig for me so folks don't worry i'm not leaving but i wanted that creative outlet for me and when i started mentioning the idea that i was looking to come back and do some work some people were like no you don't really want to like don't 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 i'm like no guys like i know what this is now because now i have like distance and reflection and i know that there's elements of this skill set that i it's capabilities i have that i don't use as a coach i also know through all the stuff I've learned as a coach and, you know, all the personal development stuff and all the communications, like I know I can go back to any visual effects place or company and run that shit better than I used to. Like I, and that's an interesting challenge. I'm not going back because I need to. And I think there's this whole thing about like need to, it's different from being driven to versus needing to. Yeah. And and even if you have to work like five jobs, like, you know, trainers, I don't think we all realize it. Like I probably, I have like six jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you look for the groups that I teach for online training, personal training, like six, six, six jobs. Now with with the visual effects thing, seven, uh, you know, that could be the equivalent of like doing dishes at a restaurant one night working at, you know, McDonald's the other, like to try to get your thing to happen. But you have to take the steps to make the thing to happen. And I think a lot of people think that they either don't have the time for the steps or, or it will never happen.
1: Well, and I think, you know, in my case, I was very fearful. Um, you know, it's still comical that I do what I do for a living. Like, having not, like, it's really, really funny. I was the kid that, like, uh, took marching band so that I wouldn't have to go to PE class. Like, I was so, <laughs> like, I was extremely fearful uh, that this wouldn't work out that I'm not the right person for this job that like there's so many reasons and I wouldn't even call them excuses. They're like legitimate reasons. of um, I should not be doing what I'm doing. Uh, but you know, I gave myself little, little experiments over time. It's like, well, what if I dropped my agency job to like a three day a week agency job and then did you know, here and there, some private sessions or some group classes. And then when that was going well, like, okay, what if I still did three days, but I worked from home so that I had more flexibility? It's like, okay. And then once that worked well, you know, it kind of snowballed. And I think for some of us, like, this shit is scary. To do the thing that you love because you are invested, like, all the real fear comes up at least it did for me or for me it's like I don't belong here I am not speaking the same language like I look at the people in my life who are doing this and like I'm nowhere near as cool as y'all
0: um uh, <laughs> so, we've hung out you're pretty <laughs> but you
1: know what I mean like all this old stuff like from childhood from mm-hmm. you know the formative developmental times like you really have to sift through that. And it took me a, a lot of work and a lot of processing. And like, I had to dip my toes in. I was not the kid to like cannonball into the pool of personal training. I was like, okay, this, fit my toe feels all right. Okay, maybe I'll put my ankle in <laughs> and like slowly inch my way into the pool. But it worked yeah. out.
0: I think I was, I was a super fearful kid. And I, and I have to thank I guess, you know, look, look, my, my collective group of friends, you know, growing up in high school, like I I, I was not a cool kid, but I had like, you know, two group, two really cool groups of friends. um, And certainly punk rock and metal and and skateboarding, like fitting in, I guess on one level, I wish I could communicate better with other people. And I still feel that way. And um, on the other, though, I was also like, Kind of fuck it. I don't need anybody, which isn't the greatest mm-hmm. way to to be either. It, unless it's like literally in, intuitive for yourself. Um, I still find it's very weird where I could like be in a pair of Godzilla tights in front of a room of people and just like <laughs> own it and feel have the best time, and then I could show up at a party with people that I know and I like I don't know what the fuck to say. I just don't know how to have a human conversation sometimes, and I still struggle yeah. with that. And I think a lot of us. Coaches and trainers are those, you know, the the introverted extrovert, where we have this mm-hmm. outlet that allows us to be. I don't want to say a better version of ourselves because it means that we feel something's lesser, but like a fuller version maybe of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then I still find like you know awkward as fuck. And like you know, you were talking about experiments, and a couple of years ago at MFF, I, I ended up writing a blog about it. Like I really tested my awkwardness, where like I. You know, what is wrong if you go to a party and you end up standing in the corner? What is really wrong there? Right? Like if you don't really know how to talk to somebody there or don't want to talk to somebody there, the only thing wrong there is the feeling of shit that you put on yourself for
1: Yeah, the position. shame and that you should be something that you're not.
0: And and I yeah, you know, and I and I'm I worked really hard to try to get comfortable in that spot. And I forget that I've put that work in sometimes because you know, like <sighs> I, 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 you know, you, you say how it's, it, it's, you find it ridiculous that you're doing what you do. And, and for me, it's, it's similar in that, like not only have I been able to be a trainer and, and make a living for this many years, but that I have these, the fact that I have a, a podcast is ridiculous, <laughs> but the fact that I teach for, you know, like, I know like not a lot of people get to have the opportunity to teach for one group, nevertheless, four, and yeah. that's not an ego thing. That's like a fuck, like, how does how do I keep falling upward on that stuff yeah and but at the same point I'm like (laughs) I could be that guy just like nursing his beer in the back and you know I know like in high school people my friends would make fun of me because I'd always be like I'm fucking bored and I'd want to go skateboarding and yeah it's like I still need that individual outlet and I think I still am adjusting to the fact that fitness was that outlet but now as it's part of my calling slash profession, I sometimes feel like it's been robbed from me where like, I have to think about it differently going in.
1: Yes. I, I felt like that for a while. Like when I tried to do the, the gym thing, um, like I tried to teach group fitness and I was okay at it. Like it was all right, but you know, it was not my jam. It was not what, Fulfilled me or sustained me because I am that, you know, extroverted introvert. Um, but now I'm fully embracing that. Um, we talked a little bit about marketing earlier, and I think the next thing that I'm marketing, um, or my next little marketing experiment, I'm gonna put a sandwich board up that just has ever feel hella awkward at the gym, and then my website. Because I don't think that we're alone in this. No. Um, and I think that, like, sometimes I looked at it as this negative or this burden being this awkward, awkward, introverted fitness professional. It's like, what do I, how do I belong here? But I'm like, fuck it. So many of the people who I click with who um, want to train with me are just straight up scared of the gym. They feel awkward and being able to just say, okay, let's feel awkward and lift some stuff. Like, to give people permission and to give myself permission, I think, especially. Like, we do what we need, right? Yeah. Like, I'm giving people permission to feel awkward because I need permission in my own life to feel awkward. Um, to just say, like, okay, cool. I'm not going to guarantee that you're not going to feel awkward here. But, like, I'll be awkward with you. Yeah. And that, like, that's something.
0: Yeah. And I also feel, you know, if it was something that... Brings a lot of like negativity or shame upon your life having a habit. You know, I kind of feel like those are the things we we ha- actively have to work to try to better because we're clearly not happy because of this personality trait or whatever it is. But I don't think being awkward has to be devalued or felt that way at all because I, I would imagine almost everybody feels that way in one way or another, whether or not they're physically manifesting it or not. I, I think it's really hard to fit in, and yeah. I've just never. You know, having kids, like I know, you know, especially with my son trying to think of like, you know, I I can't teach him sports. Like I'm a fitness coach, but like I'm only ever really skateboarded. I've never been on a team for football, basketball, soccer, baseball. I I, I just never was interested in any of that. And clearly there was the age of like, you know, jocks versus dirtbags. Although my school, like the dirtbags were also jocks too. Um Mm -hmm. we, we didn't get a ton of the shit like that. Skateboarding got a little rough sometimes, but You know, I didn't have that and I was like, Man, am I gonna let him down and sort of translate these things? And there was a point where he was getting bummed because his friends started playing baseball and he's gone through baseball stuff. Like we put him through programs like to just hang out with his friends. And you know, he was like for it was soccer. He was like, My friends are playing soccer at school and I feel left out, it makes me sad. And then he tried it, he practiced it a little bit. He's like, You know what, I don't like soccer. I'm like, Cool, like (laughs) that's totally fine too, right? Like yeah. We're, we're all just trying to find ourselves, but, it, you know, it, it, it comes down to a lot of in, in, in coaching land. I think we focus so much on self-development and helping other people, including ourselves, that we, we have to become some perfect version of a, of a human where I, th- I think we also have to accept that, like, in, in a positive way that, like, it's okay to be awkward as long as it's not stifling you, right? Yeah. Like, that is, I think, extremely powerful that if you could feel comfortable in not fitting in anywhere – Like, what the fuck can't you do? You could do anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been cool to realize, yeah, just like whatever, and we all have different things, right? Like, we're awkward or we are, you know, any, any seemingly negative characteristic, right? You know, I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm too much. I'm, you know, whatever it is, it's like, all right all right. Yeah. And just saying like, okay, I see that. Okay. And then how can I use that? Like if I'm too much, great. How can I like, what does that even look like in my body? What does that feel like? How, how does that present like, and almost explore it and get curious about it. And like, I don't know, like some of the greatest clients I have are because I'm fucking awkward.
0: Yeah. And they're like,
1: cool. I can hang with you.
0: It goes back to the right tribe, right? They're the people that relate to you. Instead of trying to appeal to like the biggest number of people, you're trying to find the 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 most relatable people. And I think Mm -hmm. that's like, you know, it goes all the way back to the beginning of this about your referral base. People that drive on your personality, believe in your skill sets, they're gonna send people your way because they know there's gonna be like another level of connection to get people to keep coming back and if fitness is not about a class or a session it's about repeated classes or repeated sessions mm-hmm. to get to get a win and it's the same thing goes back even further to the rpe as well like it's not about having a crush in level 10 workout it's having like a shitload of level seven workouts
1: yeah oh i love how you just brought it all full circle that was yeah really
0: nice. it's like a like a <laughs> like a screenwriter
1: Ooh, oh dang.
0: shit well, well that
1: actually opens me up to the one thing that I did want to share with you
0: oh please
1: about how we met and like okay so I, I listen to your podcast um and I really like what you're doing and so often you'll kind of do the how we met story uh-huh and I was thinking of especially after listening to the episode with Ridge it's like how did we meet and you were the guy with the yard that Ridge took his snatch test in. Yep. And like around the same time, I was listening to Strength Matters podcast and like Pavel was the guy that did kettlebell stuff on the beach with people. And Dan John was the guy with the garage who like had people over on Sundays and like lift. And so it was really funny realizing that you guys, to me, like, weren't gym guys. You were just, like, the guys with the garages and the yards. <laughs>
0: and that's all I ever <laughs> want to be now. Like, like seriously.
1: And, like, no shit I got into this. Because there was never that, like, we're doing this flashy, sexy thing. You want to be a part of it? It's like, <laughs> that would have been so – no, I don't ever I don't want to be a part of that. Well, but I like, could never
0: do that because I'm – I'm not flashy or sexy in any way, so I could never do that.
1: I mean, the Godzilla pants and the, what is that, the leopard unitard?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my, my leopard onesie. <laughs> Thank you, Katrina Newman, making dreams happen.
1: Um, but I think that's what really got me into this in general. Like, why did I want to pick up a kettlebell? Because I could just be another dude in the garage.
0: And, and, and yeah,
1: And, like, that was so powerful for me, and I didn't even realize it until listening to the podcast with Ridge. And, like, it's like, oh, that's something I want to be a part of. Like, yes, Ridge, teach me how to do this kettlebell swing thing. Like, I want to go to the garages. I want to go to the yards. I want to go to the beaches and hang out with the dudes who want to play around with stuff.
0: That's so cool. Well, Um, I'm I'm glad I was, like, inadvertently a part of that.
1: You were, like, the guy with the yard, and it really, like – made it click for me that this is something that I could do.
0: I miss that yard. Sometimes I don't miss the apartment, but that was like a (laughs) a shithole yard that Kim and I worked really hard to try to make like livable with picnic tables and barbecues and a kiddie pool. And it was nice until our landlord shredded their basement apartment and just wrecked like wrecked like all the rubbish Went in the backyard. We even had like a garden area that was all like horrible dirt like you would never really grow stuff in it but we were able to do kettlebell juggling and work on that in the back like it was Uh really cool for the the, a two-year window and then that landlord got shady and like just threw a bunch of rubbish out there for like a year he gave us no heads up so suddenly we we had furniture and a barbecue out there that we couldn't use it was like so that part sucked and I, I will say, because you know, I saw Dan John, you know, a couple of weeks, well, it'll be a month ago by the time this comes out at, at a New York RKC. And I was like, look, man, I'm trying to do your thing right now. Like, I'm officially like, folks, if, 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 if you want to train in the yard or in the garage, like Fury Industries is my living room or our shared, you know, if it's one-on-one training, I have more gear in. Uh, Kim and I have like an office training space in the apartment. I, I want that. Like, I don't, I, I, I want people to feel like, hey, I'm going to go train at Fury's place. Right. Yeah. And, and I call it fury industries. Cause like, you know, I gotta be honest. Like I have my hands on a lot of things. So it sounded like a nice title, but I'm actually for the sake of like the classes, I wonder if I should tra- change that. But I, it's like, I want you to come and train at Fury's place. Like, like clearly, I'm gonna say clearly. I know the things that you're using in this class, in these classes, are the things that I travel and teach. So like, there's a cost value. It's not dirt cheap. I'm not underselling myself. It's not as much as if I was in an outside facility. But like, look, if you're gonna swing kettlebells, use DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training and OS and the resets all in one class. Like, a nobody else in this neighborhood's doing that. B no one else is fucking certifying people in all three of those things. So like. Come and learn with me, right? If you want to have somebody that has a head-on programming, like I was, you know, I, I did a, a lot of programming at MFF and I do Fury Thursdays for Strength Faction. Like, I, I just, like, I, I'm trying to have this ownership of my skills because I'm realizing, like, I'm not such a new trainer anymore. I'm eight years, almost eight years in. Um, if, I've, if I include my part-time, um, May will be seven years full-time. And I've, I've clearly, I've been able to have some pretty amazing experiences outside of owning since I've never owned of working at two amazing gyms in the city and traveling to like dozens of other gyms at this point to teach workshops or even take courses at. I've got lots of awesome friends like yourself, like, and everybody on this podcast. And that's what I'm hoping would happen that somehow within the neighborhood, you know, in South Brooklyn area, whatever that draws in from, that people get that and connect with it. Now, mind you, the struggle that we'll have is there's expectations of fitness classes and what they should look like and feel like. And when I come in and there's actually like a rest break where you can catch your breath, people are a little bit like, what, the, what is that thing? Right. You know, I'm not used to that. They don't do that at like, you know, whatever, boot camp. Boot camp. <laughs> full, I don't want to say, it. yeah, theory, whatever, you know, they're not used to it you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, that's up to me to set the expectation to kind of adjust to it, so I have a lot of hopes that this is going to grow out, but again, I'm not going to lie, like, you know, it's, we're still very small, and I'm very grateful for the people that are in it, but, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. by the time this comes out, we have some new members, and then in another, like, month, there'll be some more new members, and because, you know, I'm learning with them, which is important too, but I want Mm -hmm. that aspect. I want it to be the place where you can hang out and better yourself, but you're not like hanging out, you know, you're actually putting in the time.
1: Right. right.
0: And and I love that that resonated because that is what I'm trying to do here. Like when I put my mats out on the floor, it's exactly what I'm trying to do here.
1: It's so cool. And like, it's fun. It's really awesome. Thank you for that. Like trickle down effect of like, it sets the tone of, what I want to do and you know how people are experiencing this thing we call fitness. Um, you know, if, even if it's just one or two people in a given city, like doing it that way, like thank you for helping me realize that that's something that it could even be because the gym is scary. I hate it. I still sweat around (laughs) barbells and I don't even have to pick them up. They just make me nervous. Um,
0: when you're it's in town, like, let's let, let's let's <laughs> let's go to a gym and pick up some barbells together though. I'd love to help oh, you get, I'd love to have you get rid of help get rid of some of that nerves.
1: I don't know if you can see over the web, but like I think I'm like getting <laughs> flushed just at the idea of it. It scares the shit out of me. But um but no, like I even that, like I would just get to hang out with you and like
0: Yeah, it wouldn't be a thing. You we know, just like two people lifting. It doesn't
1: have to be a thing. It doesn't exactly. have to be just like so thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, Hey, we've been chatting for over an hour. That went really fast. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Look at that time, yo. Um, Tess, is there, uh, anything else you want to, you want to talk about? Is there, uh, you got something going on or where people can find you?
1: Um, yeah, people can find me at tbmovementco.com. So I finally am a legit, uh, a business, TB Movement Co. Um, you can also find me there on Instagram or friend me on Facebook with just my name. Um,
0: hey, and you get to say it now. Can you tell the listeners to die I mighty?
1: I would love to. Hey, listeners. Die mighty.
0: <laughs> awesome. Tess, thank you so much for coming on. It was great getting to catch up and um, again, with most of, as it is, I shouldn't say with most, with all of my online peeps, it's just great to be able to have uh, an, an extra reason to stay in touch more often so that's awesome and thank you yeah, for training with you. me as well uh it's awesome having you in. oh
1: yeah huge stuff. plug train with fury like <laughs> i know he's not going to tell you to do it but like if you're listening to this chances are you have access to the internet and like to do one of his programs it's really awesome he listens he programs so intelligently it's fun it's everything i need Um, And I'm not just saying that because he's looking at me via this Zoom call. But it's like, it was such a good step and one that I'm so grateful for. Um, It's everything that my body and my brain needed right now.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I'm like blushing and I got a big smile on my face right now. (laughs) Um, But look, hey, I'm not shy about it. Hey, folks, train with me. (laughs) Come train with me. So if you're interested in online coaching personal training classes taking a course if you want to host a course just head on over to coachfury.com you can get all the info there Uh, i recently updated the website to try to make it pretty crystal clear on how to go about it um and uh you know again i've also mentioned i don't take a ton of online folks because i've been very open about it on on the podcast but i do have some spots open but that's not as unlimited as I, i used to because i found like I don't, <laughs> similar to how we were talking about other things, I don't love it when I have too many online clients, at least in the current format that I teach it. So uh, I want that personal attention. So I do have some spots open right now for that. So check that out. If you want to show the podcast some financial love, go to patreon.com slash coachfurypodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash coach Fury podcast. And you could donate a buck or two per episode or a few bucks a month just to help support the show. And, you know, it's a labor of love. I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm going to do it regardless. I'm not making any money really off of this anyway. Um, but I really enjoy doing it. But I would like to get some microphones and to up my server so that I can travel with this a little bit more than doing video conferencing the way I'm doing it now. I want to be able to go to like when I go teach courses, just bring a couple of mics and a mixer with me and, and be able to feed it in my laptop that way. So you could donate some money to that. But again, I, I just love you guys for listening regardless. Um, also, I wanna say thank you to my current patrons, Julian, James, Victor, High Fives Brothers. Thank you very much for that. And I have been getting, and Tess is one of those people as well, for everyone that takes a moment to give me a comment, whether it's Facebook or on Instagram, uh, an email, a heads up at a course or where we're out somewhere that you're digging the show or a specific episode or something resonated, thank you. That makes those every episode worthwhile. And one more time, I can't thank Glenn Urieta in particular For the artwork like it's crazy the ideas i come up with sometimes and he pulls them off every time and it's just such a nice thing glenn and i met in in advertising land and visual effects where we would bring him on to draw storyboards and when he heard i was doing a podcast he reached out about creating thumbnails so glenn thank you and for my buddies mike and nelson um from the ftw thank you for letting me use the metal music and uh check them out But thank you for everybody for listening to this show. Um, Hey, have a great week, everybody. That's enough of me. Blabbering, live long, be strong, die mighty. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by yours truly, Steve, Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everyone.